Guys, welcome back to the Macro Golf Podcast. Today is a very, very special episode because we have our first guest on the podcast. He's our first guest and he's a very special guest. It is Dave Barlett, golf professional. Dave, welcome to hey, the podcast. Thanks, Joe. And it's a real honor to be your first guest. And one day when this Spotify is, is sold to Spotify for £90 million, <laughs> then, uh, Get your I want to one piece of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Your studio is incredible. Oh, thank you. I'm like so, so impressed and so excited to be here. So thank you. You do have to stand up though, as you yeah be there now. Yeah. We don't have chairs, unfortunately, um, for a reason, for a good mm-hmm. reason, because we don't believe in being sat down for a long period. So when you leave here, you're going to feel energized. You're going to feel your hips are going to feel amazing, and you got us to thank. Okay, great. There you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've got loads of stuff to go through tonight, uh, well, yeah. this afternoon, and we've got loads of questions that we want to go through with you. Um, but what would be really nice is just to give a bit of intro of, of who you are where people can find a little bit more information about mm-hmm. you if they want to go and like Google you while you're talking and find out what you look like because I do that sure. yeah, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and also just a little bit about your history mm-hmm. like how you went to golf what you're currently doing where people can kind of interact with you from now okay cool 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 um, well if you want to find me firstly you can if you Google David Barlett golf professional there'll be some pictures of me but most of those pictures are from when I first turned pro around about 23 years old I had like really long hair and a huge beard and um, I was a little bit more gangly then as well. I mean, I'm fairly gangly now, but like, I think um, you'll get a better re- understanding of who, who I am now. If you go to Instagram, go to Dave Bartlett Golf Professional and you'll see some videos where I do some kind of like little golf tips and stuff. And some of that is fitness related. So I'm kind of into it and I've been following your guys' journey on what you're doing and how you're helping golfers, etc. Oh, Joe's just showing me a picture now. Oh my God. What a Look vibe. at that. I absolutely love that hair. That was good. That was good. That was good. Well, when I say that was good. Yeah, That's going to be the cover of the podcast, I think. <laughs> no, please don't. No, 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 no. <laughs> so I've been following your journey as well. And you guys have obviously done an awful lot offline and now you're starting to do some stuff in person as well, which is great. And I think um, hopefully we can just chat about a few things where we might share some ideas which are either the same or maybe slightly different. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. I want to start with a question then. So, what physical limitations do you see coaching players that might hinder holdback progress? Um, most people aren't moving much anyway, yeah. as you guys know and most people's timing for their round is pretty poor in as much as they come hurtling in last minute and they'll definitely prioritize bacon bap over hitting <laughs> balls or any kind of mobility so they're flawed from the start generally but i think most people their sort of disassociation of their upper body relative to their lower body is poor um, so turning is difficult yeah. um, but actually having said that mo- some people have very very good mo- mobility and they don't utilize it at all just for, for poor movement patterns so you see somebody that doesn't rotate their body or turn their back on the target but actually does have that yeah. available to them and they're just fundamentally flawed from the ground up so they don't move correctly from the get-go to be able to rotate so people are missing out on a whole host of distance and consistency even though they're not utilizing their what they've got, their, what they've got. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. but biggest ones i think are shoulders you know so i ask a lot of my clients what they do for a living and a lot of people that are sat down are kind of really tight in the shoulder and don't have external rotation of the shoulder let's say to be able to get the club in a better position on the way down create enough depth in the backswing to be able to get that club moving yeah. the way it should do so i would say yeah ability to rotate and shoulder mobility also from poor posture at work yeah yeah what do you what's the typical way of you on when you say that people have that movement there but they're not really like what do you typically see as ways of like unlocking 
that movement. Because something mm. I do in here sometimes is get people mm. to say, you know, just swing fast and mm. see what happens. Yeah. Right? And sometimes when they're just not thinking of the golf ball, luckily we can do it in here without having to hit a golf ball as a consequence. And sometimes they then start to rotate a little bit or they start to move a little bit. And they're like, oh, well, actually, like, I, I didn't know I had that movement. What do you do when you actually got something in front of you for a lesson that mm. you're like, mm, I think you can move a little bit more than that mm -hmm. and they're not displaying it? Is there, is there any like tricks that you might use to trigger a little bit more movement? Uh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think. People learn differently. So some people are very good at watching something and then they can change it and, and adapt. And some people can respond really well to an audio cue and you can say, right, just turn your back on the target more and they do it. Most people don't have that ability. So I'm big into moving people. Yeah. So I, I was saying, oh, you're here, show me what you do and then hold a position. And most people can replicate that position either in slow motion or in isolation. And then I'll move them and say, actually, this is where you are. I'd love it if you could feel here. I'll do that responsibly so I don't break them in half, right? <laughs> but I will, will move them and they'll be like, oh my God, what, there? Yeah. You know, and there's an, a, like an alarm bell that goes off in their mind. They think, actually, I'm a mile away from where I need to be right now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you move them. So for me, it's that. And then once I've moved them a few times into that position, I was like, see if you can do that without me. And then once they've done it a few times and then I might film them as well. So although ultimately I don't really care what their swing looks like, I yeah. just want it to be effective yeah. and... Um, repeatable when you show them the position they all got some sort of understanding of what a good position looks like they go wow that looks much more like a golf swing yeah. but they really need to feel it and so that's what that's what I do like an awareness and space thing right mm. they can kind of understand like it's a bit of like a lost zone for them like they mm. when do they ever move their arms outside their body normally right yeah. they don't use their hands are in here so it's like a lost area of like them not being aware mm -hmm. maybe of like where their body even is they might yeah. feel like they're turning but they're not right like mm -hmm. that also could be that's interesting. That's knowledge bomb number one for me. Yeah, move I people. Like but I, I ask I first know. as well. If I think somebody's frail okay, and that I might just knock them over, yeah. then, no, then I'll say, is it okay if, if I just move you <laughs> yeah. a little bit? Yeah. And yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. So what's the, it's one of the questions I wanted to ask because I try and ask this to everyone uh, that comes in that like really has experienced a lot of golf swings. What's the most common fault that you see? So I suppose that's a, a combination of ball flight mm. you know what's the most common ball mm. flight issue that you see and then what's generally the most common swing sure. fault you know, okay. if you were to categorize i know mm -hmm. it's difficult to but what would be the most common that you would see so some people? i think of it slightly differently because i think there's faults and there's characteristics and there are um compensations which make it look like the compensation is the fault so an example is someone goes i can tell you what i'm doing wrong i'm falling off of it i'm falling backwards i'm lifting up all of those things I'll, i will say to them generally okay well that's good you need that because the the falling back is the saving mood move for other stuff that went wrong, you know? Okay. So in terms of like the stuff that I see, let's say somebody that tops it, their weight ends up behind it, they've got loads of right bend, it impact, they can't rotate, those kind of things, normally reaction to like a poor club face angle or, or something that they've done fundamentally poor in the setup. So getting somebody set up correctly, getting them moving correctly in the backswing, I can I pretty much honestly say I've never taught anybody weight, weight transfer. Because pretty much everybody can do that, and some people will say, "Well, I can do it when there's no ball. Well, the ball doesn't care. The fresh air doesn't care about club face angle. Doesn't yeah. care how steep you are. Yeah. And actually, you're a foot off the floor when you're doing a swing yeah. anyway. So it's pretty as it is. It's not really how you swing it. And, and like I said, it's a good thing that you don't swing it that way because you'll never find target if you get your weight transfer <laughs> right. So in terms of most common, it's that, that yeah, falling back action, losing the low point control of the club. Mm -hmm in an attempt to get the face back on it. And is that a typical demographic that you would see in that environment? You know, is that a typical, um, you know, uh, is that a desk worker? Mm -hmm. Is that an older golfer, young golfer? What, 
can you categorize kind of where that initial thought sits or is that across mm. the board i would 100 percent say that that's across the board yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like with, with with the exception of like young juniors have this line of ability to kind of feel like they hit through it and not at it mm-hmm. And I think that comes from less understanding, perhaps, and just swinging the club with no consequence. Mm-hmm. I don't see many juniors kind of falling back trying to help in the air. They just kind of swing the club and accept what happens. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people don't have an understanding of, say, a 48-degree wedge, you know, launches at 27 degrees. So therefore, it's coming down by X amount of degrees. Yeah. They're thinking they've got to add loft somewhere. Yes. So they're trying to find a way of just trying to add more loft to a club. So actually, when they fall back, their 47 degrees has become 57 and they've hit the roof of the driving range. Yeah. that's where those dents come from you see those dents you're like how did that dent get there yeah Yeah, that's that guy yeah so that that happens and i'd say that's relatively common so that would be very frustrating for that golfer to be trying to work on i need to be more balanced i need to be more balanced etc when actually that's actually only going to fundamentally make them hit it worse get to the root of the problem yeah and i'm sure we'll get into a lot of the time there are some issues with the person's mobility which is always forcing them into that position which looks a bit unsightly yeah we're going to move on to mobility, but I want to say one thing before sure. that. So we done a clinic at your old yeah. uh, one evening. I remember when you said that to someone there, and I think you might have said mm. it to one individual or to the group, when you said, like, oh, you're falling off it, like, great, because that means mm. you actually hit the ball, right? Like, yeah. if you didn't fall off it, you wouldn't even make contact with the ball. And when, yeah. when you first said that, I was like, yeah, that's, like, that's mm. so true, right? The reason why they're falling back is not because they lack mm. balance or they lack different things and that's why they're falling off they're falling off it because they're trying to make contact with the ball mm. the only way they can make contact with the ball is to yeah. go like, oh my god I've got to like, fall back and, and try and do something yeah. when you said that I was like wow yeah that's like makes sense right when you think about it, but it we always think of the we try and solve the thing that we can see that yeah. often okay. um, would you I know we're going to, I'm, going, I'm going off topic because I want to go to mobility but would you also put like an early extension move mm. in that same category because I get asked a lot time. about early extension yeah. and I don't think that the reason I ask is because I get asked a lot about early extension and people saying, oh, is that because my hips are tight? Mm. And I say, well, I don't, my guess, uh, and I want your expert opinion is, they're not early extended because their hips are tight, they're early extended because something else in their goal swing is happening. Yeah. That might be happening because their hips mm. are tight, but it, the early extension is not the problem, if yes. that makes sense. Is that I would say it's very, yeah, 100% Joe. Like, I think there's, there's always something going on. Not yeah. not always. There are some flexibility issues. So you know yourself, like there will be some early extension if there's certain flexibility issues. But it's ordinarily a last ditch effort to somehow get that club yeah. back on it. Yeah. Okay. So as much as you know, keeping your ass against the wall kind of feel you know um, rotating around that keeping posture is great. Do, do you again have that face angle to be able to get it back on it to find the target so you know like i said the ball won't care really about whether you early extend or not it will yeah. just uh it will just kind of care where it's gone <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. with the early extension which is which is um let's say hips moving towards the golf ball versus sort of staying stable and rotary um comes extension in the spine so as soon as you move your hips towards the golf ball your spine's going to want to extend so your angles of your arms and wrists have all got to unwind a little bit differently to how a real solid impact would look. So you see a lot of people that try and create this desirable impact position of trying to get the handle ahead and squash mm-hmm. the golf ball, etc., and compress it into the ground. It's going to be very difficult to do with that kind of movement. Um, and if they're trying to do that, invariably, they're going to end up with a pretty damn open club face, which is in to out. Yeah. And it doesn't find target, and that's infuriating. So... If they get control over the face angle, they got a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. That's one thing I love about your coaching methods. And anytime I've spent time with you and heard you doing things, like it is very much about how do we get ball to target. Mm. Like that is a huge primary focus of 
of what you're doing, which is it's crazy to think that we even need to consider that there's methods that don't focus about how do we get the ball to mm. the target, right? Like that's yeah. Like, what else are we doing? If we're mm. not trying to get ball to target, what else are we doing? I gave a golf lesson probably a year ago to a guy playing on plus one and good ball striker, hits it better than I do. So he's very good. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I jest. Um, really good. And he goes just like, my distance control's off. But you look at his, if you filmed his rhythm, it looks incredible. Yeah. If you look at his swing length, it looks incredible. He can hit a variety of shots. He can hit any shot he wants. He just en- doesn't end up to within tapping range. He's just missing birdie butts from short range. And I just said to him, like, do you ever look where you're going? He's like, what? I said, do you ever look? And he's like, no, I don't. Yeah. Which is mad, you know, yeah. and like, yeah. particularly from say 100 yards and in, I'm sure there are some elite golfers that have the ability to be able to line up from down the line, see a shot, come over the golf ball and not look at target. But imagine if you're over the golf ball an awfully long time thinking about how to perform something, you're not reacting at all. So that last look to target to try and visualize a shot and see how your body can respond to that. If you still have to think about how to do it while you're out playing golf, you haven't trained it enough. Yeah. So train it, train it, train it, but also train it looking at a target as well and trying to actually have some intent level with the shot yeah. most people don't have a level of intent they're trying to hit it too straight so yeah and i think also with that like that's the guy that can do it is the guy that can spend six or seven hours a day doing it right they've got the time to actually dial exactly where that arm needs to be in that field that exact position where mm-hmm. if you don't have the opportunity to do that you you've got to utilize what you do have which is some level of instinct mm-hmm. right of distance control of like hopefully yeah trying to recall some previous information of what you can then see of then trying to execute yeah. on that because you've not got the time to dial in your wedges with the track man for seven hours a day mm. right? and people are very good at like there's certain holes you would have played around here and another golf courses that you would have played frequently there's just certain holes that just suit your eye yeah and yeah. you've hit so many good shots there it almost is like a formality you hit a good one yeah. and the holes you don't like you'll be so surprised when you hit a good one because you're just you weren't mentally ready to hit a good shot You've always got to rip your rule book up here and say, right, I always hit driver here and I always go out of bounds. I'm going to hit a 9-9 off the tee today just so that I do something different, yeah. you know? Yeah, People yeah, aren't yeah. playing that game. People are playing the swing game. Mm-hmm. I played in a pro event many, many years ago and I was three under after 14 and I remember the 15th hole was like a 90-degree dogleg, the worst hole in the world. And every time I played it, I made seven, made triples, par four. Um, and uh, Par five, sorry. And um, I remember hitting like a wedge off the tee on a par five because it was the only shot I could see I hit wedge wedge like five iron or something like that onto the green and then just two putted and it was just like this wow. is the nicest par I've ever just made in my life I, just, yeah. I could not get I couldn't get my head around how to play it it was yeah. just such a quirky yeah, 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 yeah. hole and um, I did alright in that event in the end and I was just like really chuffed with myself yeah. and I came away from that thinking wow you did something really different and quite ballsy there yeah. and uh, I got quite a lot of enjoyment out of that and that for me is kind of paved my thought process on how I play golf which is can be a bit wild but I I like to try and do some funny shots as well yeah. you know what I mean yeah. I like to hit high draws low fades yeah etc etc versus trying to be hit that same straight. stock shot and yeah. actually by trying to create those different shapes you're being more present mm-hmm. so you're allowing yourself a better opportunity to hit the shots yeah. rather than just like you said the amateurs setting up saying right I'm just going to try and hit this dead straight mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. I got stuck into that recently hmm. with irons. Uh, that resonates a lot with me. I got stuck into that. You know, I'm getting very, very focused on the movement and seeing a straight shot. Where actually, I, you kind of lose so much that's out there. Like, mm. there's so much more out there than what's going on in your little space. Right, and actually, that yeah. information is really useful for us. Um, oh, that was good. 
Yeah. I like that. Um, let's move on to the mobility thing. Yeah, come on. This is the Joe Macro podcast. So, so I know Sam's actually got a question on mobility, so you can you can ask yours and then and then I'll come. Yeah, hit me with that, Sam. Let's go. So, how mobile do you need to be to play good golf? So you're viewing it mobility slightly differently to flexibility. Are we saying, yes. yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So being able to have use through that motion rather than just saying, right, I can get my arm external sure. rotating. I think, um, so if you look at anyone that was a good golfer that was playing off single figures in their 20s and they maintained a pretty good level, but then their work got in the way and they came back to it, um, they weren't as flexible as they were, let's say, but they yeah. get it back. Let's yeah. say they get it back in their late 40s and early retirement and they've done it for a long time and they've just stayed on top of it. They maintain a good level for a long time, but their frequency of play goes up, but slowly they get worse. Yeah. yeah? They, they decline. Yeah. So I'm, I'm of the opinion of it's like little and often don't stop in terms of like terms of like what you're trying to do to kind of maintain mobility. Yeah. I was in the sauna the other day, which is something I like to do maybe five times a week because it's good. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I was watching people get out of the sauna from being sat, sat in it. And I was like, I don't ever want to get like that because everyone was... Is that the wood creaking or is that person? Do you know what I mean? So when I'm in there now and I'm thinking about this when I'm sat down, when I have the luxury of sitting down doing a podcast. But um, when I... <laughs> Slight jab at us. When, when I'm like sat down, like my new little thing now is like, I'm going to get up promptly yeah. like an athlete, right? That's my decision now. So when I'm in the sauna, I don't hop out, but I try and not get out of it like an old man, right? So... And I'm just looking at some of my mates that are my age and I think, God, you're finished. You're absolutely finished. There's no coming back for you now. <laughs> I don't mean that. There's hope for them. There's hope for them. There's hope for everybody. There's hope for everybody. But I'm just, th I'm just thinking, well, if they put a bit more into it, then they'll probably have these little aches and pains will disappear. But so much of it is the consistency of just doing it and stuff as well. It's really interesting what you said there was kind of little and often. Mm. It's something that mirrors exactly what me and Joe have been talking about in, in our Habits podcast, that mm. just five minutes a day makes such a difference over a decade, mm. over a lifetime. Like it can be the difference between you playing twice a week to not playing at all, mm. playing once every, every month or so and being in too much pain to, to yeah. play anymore. At that, that tail end of your golfing career, so, and actually I'd be interested to know, know some stats in terms of what somebody's overall health is like that plays 80, that's 80 years old, sorry, um, comparable with an 80 year old that doesn't play golf, that's maybe less active, yes. because having been golf a long time, I'm like, when people say their age to me and they're a member at the golf club, I'm so blown away by, actually I thought you were like 65 when they were 80, yeah, yeah. and somebody's 90 and I thought they were 70 something. I'm like, wow, you look great. So I think there's an element of keeping it youthful, but they're playing five times a week. And I know guys in their late 20s who are knackered after 18 holes. Mm. And the, the frequency is a big deal, I think. And I'm sure we could mention it at some point, but like I'm big into kind of like um, resistance training. Resistance training for me is kind of the thing. And if you can keep on, you might say otherwise, it's not the thing, it's cardio. But I'm, I'm going to suggest that you might think similarly to how I do. Just a little bit. Later. Okay, good. That's good. That's good. Good. <laughs> okay, so, um, so, so resistance and, and just people using their muscles more for, for um, little bits of the day is kind of where it's at, you know, for, for me. And if you can keep it going, there's a couple of guys that I know that play golf that are in the 70s. I see them in the gym and they all bomb it. They bomb it. And there's, I was doing some um, group lessons with um, ladies 
from the gym that haven't played golf before and two lessons in they all bomb it mm. they hit it miles and it's just like and their anticipation of it or, is, or understanding of it is like mm, is that good I don't know is that good yeah. well yeah you know you already hit it longer than everyone that's a member yeah and they're like oh okay cool so maybe I could play then you know yeah you can play for sure and that sort of fundamental fitness level not fitness so much but like strength mobility yeah. is such a key asset I mean it's just like there's so many 70 year olds they're still hitting yeah. over 240 yards carry and it's like this is very impressive yeah. I think what's really fun about that is uh, sometimes like the work that we do gets a bit of a bad rap because it gets labelled in the case of like people going on the course and trying to just out muscle golf courses and you know they're training for golf and they're speed training they're going to try and just you know hit it as far as they can and you know bomb it and do this type of thing so actually like when we actually take it to that different demographic and say actually look at these ladies mm-hmm. that you mentioned or the the seniors at the club these guys can benefit so much from like the ones that have been doing it for regularly and they've kept mm-hmm. it up all the ones that then start to take some stuff up yeah. later on in life their benefits are almost percentage greater mm-hmm. than some of the younger guys mm-hmm. because the difference for them of adding 50 yards is like mm. insane. Huge. Insane, right? The yeah. difference in the, the scoring they can do because they keep it on fairways, they keep it pretty straight, pretty steady. And the difference is if they can have a bit of speed and a bit of distance to that, mm. like the difference is, is massive for them and they're going to enjoy it more. Mm. Uh, and when we're then talking about all of the other benefits that come from doing some health and well, like, you know, health well being from strength training, from mobility yeah. training, from the fact that they can probably get around the house as well and clean the house and have no problems getting up and down off chairs and doing all that stuff, the golf is then the, the bit that's the performance side where they get all the result then of the. Of the, of the daily habits and the longevity and the, yeah. and the lifestyle as well. Like, I think it's such a cool demographic to mention when we talk about this stuff, because it's so easy to just lump it with pro golfers and mm. young, strong athletes that are gonna work on it. It's like everyone can benefit from moving a little bit better, being a little bit stronger, and as I said, hitting it mm. a little further and swinging a little bit faster as well. I think for the pros, it's, it's like, it's a real enhancement and it's giving them a, a few extra percentage chances. You know, it's such a tight level yeah. at the top. So if they can focus for longer because they're more mentally and physically prepared, that's a big deal. But it almost has more effect at the other end, in my opinion. So you're going to help a tour pro for sure. And maybe that second place became a win. But what you guys are doing is you're keeping people playing for years longer. And that's the difference. Which is why you can go home and hopefully you guys go to bed not stood up and you actually have beds. <laughs> like maybe you like sit down or chill for a minute. Maybe you just like lie down. But maybe you can lie in your bed knowing actually you've like fundamentally helped people play longer. Yeah. And you don't know how valuable that is to that person, you know. Like I've taken some wins in my past where I've somebody this has happened many times, more than a dozen, where somebody, right, this is my last ditch effort. If this lesson doesn't work, I'm giving up. I'm like, oh no pressure then. Like first yeah. time I've seen them, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh, actually, maybe this person just needs to rekindle some bit of enjoyment from their golf. It's yeah. just like there isn't going to be a secret fix. Sometimes there is, actually. Sometimes they just grip it terribly and they just need a grip change and they're good. But if you can keep them playing longer, yeah, brilliant. And, and yeah, what, what you guys are doing is, is fundamentally helping that golfer add, yeah, who knows, five, ten years to their playing careers. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. If you get any of those golfers in, give them a seat. Maybe they can sit on the. Uh, they can sit <laughs> they on do. your. They, they can sit. They jump on anything they can. Uh, tell us a little bit about your training because I've been following your mm. uh, fitness journey for a while. You, you're quite active about posting that on on Instagram. 
um, and your journey of, of, as you said, you enjoy strength training. Mm. Um, I would say that your training is um, very, very, uh, I don't, I hate the word functional, but it's very much more like uh, you incorporate a lot of movements. You probably don't need to spend too much time on you know typical mobility because the movements that you go through mm. naturally, you take your body through all these positions. Mm-hmm. Um, just talk through a little bit about like your philosophy of training how long you've been doing that for, what you yeah. enjoy doing, the benefits you've seen from yourself from, from that type of training that you've yeah, been following. Yeah, cool. Okay, so maybe some of the things that I would say post on Instagram will be less interesting in terms of what I do volume-wise. So for me, I'm trying to create more strength. So I like a few things to like try and measure. So for me, like I do do the exciting things like the box jumps and the muscle-ups and the pull-ups and the explosive things. I like that. I like kettlebells and mm-hmm. lots of things that are quite... Um, balance orientated as well so like the what i would call the fun stuff and it's kind of things that are a bit binary you can either do a muscle up or you can't do it Mm -hmm. so i like stuff like that because the idea of not being able to do it is crippling like i just want to be able to do stuff so that's good but when it comes to weightlifting everybody can do weightlifting it's just that everybody can do either x amount of weight or x amount of reps okay so I work on a bit of a basis of I want to be strong in real certain areas, which are pretty non-golf specific, just for general strength and fitness. So I work up a bit of a basis, and you you guys will probably know better on the stats than me, but for, say, a bench press, for example, I want to be able to do 10 reps of my own body weight, which I can do, and then I want to be able to do one rep of my body weight plus 50%. So, and that is what is considered from the study that I've done is what would be considered a good level of strength for that particular exercise. And say a deadlift from the floor, so just a barbell with some weights on, I'm 60 something kilos, not a lot, so maybe 63. Um, can, I, can I rep, um, one rep at least double body weight? Well, I think that's a good measurement of strength to say actually, yeah, you're doing okay. And if you can't, go back. Yeah. What can you do 10 reps of? And once you can do 10 reps of something, can you up the weight, up the weight and then gradually increase? So a typical gym workout for me will be focused on one area of the day, whether it's back, whether it's chest, whether it's arms, whether it's legs. Focus on, on those areas and then typically sets of 12 times three before I move on to the next exercise. But during that sort of um, that session of what might be considered boring weight training, you know, kind of shoulder press, lap ball down, squats, all those things that are kind of uh, pretty generic. I'll throw in some stuff which is kind of a little bit more movement-y just to kind of test out. And there is an element of cardio to that as well. I'd call it play. I think you play. Sure, yeah. I sometimes say, give this to my clients, I just want to kind of do some some play, like some balance stuff, some messing around, some pulling yourself up, pulling yourself down. Mm. Like it's more play that you add in, which I think actually for you adds an element of, you know, if we actually get scientific with it, you're probably adding a good level of stability, uh, control, mm. core strength, like you're ticking these boxes, but it's definitely more like fun, mm. uh, more play-based yeah. that I didn't know what your normal training looked like because mm. I didn't see it, but like, a com- which accompanies a foundation of strength mm. training. Yes. Yeah. Right? Like you've got your boring foundation, but mm. then you do this like fun, mm. like fluffy stuff, like yeah. on top of that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm trying to get a little bit more creative with it as well. Anything that I can't do, I enjoy more because I yeah. just kind of want to do it more as well. So yeah. until, I, until I can do it and stuff and what have you. So I think the, the order is to get the basics right. Get really, really good at the basics. You know, particularly people struggle with shoulder injuries and they don't do the boring shoulder, uh, boring shoulder exercises. And I've been guilty of that before. It's just like I want to pound out a load of shoulder press. Actually, all those little moves that you do using cables and stuff and what have you just to build up little smaller muscles around to get stability, 
in your shoulder, in your knee, all those areas where there's a lot of pressure in the golf swing. Um, having all that at your disposal is super, super important. And I know you, because we've spoken about it before, you've been on a journey of trying to gain some weight yeah. and gain some muscle and that mm. thing. Just, if you don't mind, just like talking a little bit about that mm. like journey and how that's been a bit of a struggle for you, probably mm. because of your lifestyle that you just probably on yeah. your feet, like same as what we are, but probably on your feet for like most of the day and doing lessons and doing all this stuff. Like, mm. obviously that's the opposite to what a lot of people struggle with. They obviously want to go the other way mm. and they'll probably say, yeah, all right, Dave, like just yeah. you know, you're going off. But that is a legitimate struggle that I have with some clients as yeah. well that have, you know, high active um, jobs and, and then obviously don't want to just shove mm. their face with a load of rubbish to put on the weight. Yeah. So how's that journey been for you of trying to add some, some lean muscle, which has been the main mm. focus for you, uh, and obviously how slow that process has been and you have yeah. to be patient through that journey really it is interesting as uh, like I was getting slightly frustrated with it because it was so slow but actually you guys might agree I don't know but the fact that it was is slow is probably a good thing um, because it's like oh well maybe this is more of a habit like long term thing I can do and it can be gradual versus trying to put on 10 kilograms which is not going to be happening anytime soon so for me, it was just like, okay, well, I feel like I get blown away. If there's like a strong gust of wind, I can go. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I could easily go. Um, so that, that's got to be more useful to me to carry a little bit more weight. Um, but also, let's go into like why. Like my family, like they're all so ill. Like they're like, they literally just, there's so much illness in my family. Like I come from like a big, big family in Ireland where my, my nan was one of like nine sisters and five brothers and they've all got wow. things wrong with them and... There's, you know, history of heart disease and all sorts of things. And I think, right, well, you need to look after yourself a little bit better. So I, I, this was a few years ago. I thought, right, just look after yourself a little bit better now. So there's the reason for doing it outside of just golf as well. But actually, at the same time, I actually want to get better at golf as well. And, um, and for my trousers not to just, like, fall down as well at the same time. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So those are the reasons for why I was doing it. So I want to try and put a little bit more weight on just for those simple reasons. I think actually it's going to be healthier for me too. So I started with trying to eat more, but I was eating quite a lot anyway. So there is that, whether it's metabolism, I think it's just lifestyle. It's like, I look at, I've got a sports watch. I don't wear it anymore because I look down and I've done 22,000 steps and I've been to the gym and I've done whatever and ever. So it's like, okay, well, it's pretty pointless me having that. So I kind of went on for three and a half thousand calories a day of pretty good food, but also not being super strict with myself as well. So if I want to eat some garbage, I can eat some garbage. Yeah. Just don't make it my main part of my diet. Just don't eat garbage all the time. So that was working well. So I kind of went from 62 to about 64, but that took me 18 months. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's I know that 3, some people as a weekend. How many calories? 3, Three, I went from three and a half thousand, which I found super, super hard. So eventually that yeah. came down to about 3,000. So that's three eggs in the morning with a steak, with spinach, yeah. then oats, with honey. Then I'd have a second breakfast. Then I'd have two lunches, which would be beef with quinoa, chicken wrap. Then I'd eat a whole packet of corn cakes with um, with some like butter on it. Eat that. Then I'd come home and eat an omelette. And then I'd have dinner. Then I'd have some protein shakes. And by the end of the day, that's a lot. And I found the more I was eating, the more I could eat. Yeah, 100%. I've, I've, I've been on a very similar journey. Mm. I've always found it really hard to yeah. put on weight. Um, mm. The start of the year, I made a decision to... Cause hurt my back in October, so I just wanted to add some more mass, a bit more strength there as well. But similarly to you, bro, mm. on our feet all day. Yeah. Like, there's almost not enough hours in the day in between coaching clients, mm -hmm. sleeping, trying to have a relationship outside of that, yeah. otherwise you're just eating 24-7. Mm. Like, it, it's really hard, and a lot of people, like Joe mentioned earlier, think oh, losing weight's really, really hard. 
I've worked with clients for years and years. I actually find clients that are trying to put on weight and do it the right way. Mm. Just like you were mentioning there, you're not eating garbage. You're not just having McDonald's breakfast, lunch and dinner. It's really hard to do, especially mm. if you do have a busy, active lifestyle. I, I schedule in some things, right? So this is this is this is fun for me. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I schedule in, like I really like a McDonald's breakfast, but I don't want to eat it all the time. So I want to look forward to it. I'm going to have it. So I put it in my diary. For like, <laughs> so like once a month. So it might be like the 23rd of the month. I'm going to go get that, and I'm going to enjoy that. Yeah. I'm going to sit in the car park, and I'm going to enjoy that. And um, but when I was super on it, it was in my diary. And I was like, well, do you know what? I actually don't even fancy it. I don't fancy it now. I've kind of I've eaten pretty well for a while, and I'm like. I, don't crave that anymore. Yeah. Sugar is the worst thing for me. Like if I start sugar, I want more, I want more, I want more. And I think for an awful lot of people, it's like, well, you can actually worry about that tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? And I think if you can get in your head that tomorrow is today, actually, yeah. mm-hmm. that that is the thing, isn't it? It's so easy to start tomorrow. And yeah, and it's hard. It's hard. Like we're sort of, our brains are hardwired into these habits of mm-hmm. just like making you feel better when you eat something that's really, really nice. And it's like, for me, it's like, okay, well, you've got to, in my opinion, keep that in there because you don't want to be miserable and you don't want to put on more weight. You just like try and lose a little bit. Like go, go, go enjoy yourself. But if it's important to you, you'll change it. I think some people like the idea of losing weight, but actually they only like the idea of it. They're not, they don't want to. Yeah. You gotta want to. Taking it back a little bit, what did you see changes? Why when you started implementing this high calorie diet, Mm. implementing this strength training, did you see changes to, say, distance, swing speed? How did your body yeah. feel? Were you able to play more and mm. anything like that? So my irons, like, like statistically, are pretty poor when it comes down to launch angle and spin. So I'm launching a seven iron at the angle of an eight, so I'm a club weaker, which makes me, with the speed that I have, about 15 yards shorter than I could be based on launch angle. But when I play golf, I'm generally the longest with irons. Like when I play with other golf pros, generally, yeah. I'm never the longest with driver, and that's technique. So my swing speed is pretty good, I would suggest, and then my technique's good enough to hit the ball a decent distance, but give me a four or five iron, I'm, I'm good, and give me a driver and I'm average. Yeah. And it's, it's a bit of a funny one. So my mission now is to kind of like get, get better at that, but in answer to your question, the strength training has made me hit irons way further. Really? Way, way further. So I can feel like I can operate from what feels like Potentially a shorter swing, which is more repeatable. I, could, I deliver better angles, let's say. They're not perfect, but they just it just seems to go further. Yeah. I have a lot more strength, but I don't feel like I have to go at it, whereas before, to get the distance, I felt like I had to go at it. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest difference. It's like, can I play at what feels like 90% where golf is easy? Yeah, which can might golf... have been your previous kind of 100% absolutely ripping it as hard as you can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, now it's just like, actually, I feel like I can just get the distance with an iron shot much much easier than yeah. before so yeah. there's some work to be done with the driver but I'm kind of aware of my flaws technically and occasionally that goes really well as well so I played for the first time this year the other day and I hit some drivers I was like wow that's like really good yeah really good like I want to go and play more because if I could hit them all like that you could do well Dave and then <laughs> your ego gets fueled and it's like do you know what you could you could go like into the open and you could go into the order of merit and stuff and what have you and then yeah (laughs) but yeah so without doubt I'm stronger now in my 40s than I was in my 20s yeah for sure 
Sam was about to say that. Did you see that? Sam was about to say, oh my God, is he 40 something? I actually. I was, yeah, he was. I, I was he was like, thinking. he's yeah, been George. earlier that you had kids, so I was thinking, right, yeah. maybe like mid mid 30s. Oh, maybe. oh my God. I, I, when I first met you and then you let me know your age, okay. I was shocked. Really? Yeah. Well, shocked. I think I look old though. Like, I've been looking in the mirror and thinking, God, you're finished, Dave. You're finished. But I, th- I think this you don't think I'm finished? No, oh. <laughs> 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 what you were saying earlier about people seeing people on the golf course and thinking they're 10, 20 years younger. Yeah, you, you you're not sat down at a desk. You're on your feet mm. pretty much all of the day. You're moving. You're training. You're eating well, and it goes to show, right? You you look five, six, seven years younger than, than Thanks, you are. Man. I'll come again if you let me on. I'll ask you a few more golfing things. Yeah, get ready. Uh, I I find it easier. Like I just like people's brains. Uh, they know a lot about golf. Um, I want to ask you a couple of like, which of these do you prefer, mm. uh, and just a little bit of justification on on which one. Yeah, go uh, for it. Mind. So my first one is shot shaping mm. or hitting one shape. Okay, and, and being very good at hitting that one shape and, and fitting that shot shape mm. in. Okay, so I, I know some golfers that are very good at hitting one shape all the time, and then. I think from ultimate consistency point of view, if you can play one shape, then play it. Because I know some golfers that play only with a fade um, and they're very predictable and they know what their miss is. Occasionally they pull it a little bit with a short iron and occasionally they leak it right a little bit with a, with a longer club. Um, they don't all of a sudden get a snap hook. They don't all of a sudden get a massive push because the science doesn't allow a massive push mm. if they're putting the same swing on it. So I, I'm really different with that. Like I, I, I try, I went down a path when, just after I turned pro of trying to be too straight. I, I enjoyed golf a little bit less when I was trying to be too, too mm. straight. I, give me a wedge and I'll try and hit it straight. But anything sort of eight iron above, I want to see some kind of shape. And invariably it's right to left or left to right. It's a real, real toss up between the two. You say you swing a club and hit it, I'll draw it. And that would be my sort of standard shot. I'd say, right, there's no intent of the shot, just hit a shot. That, that's what will tend tend to happen so I kind of see most shots right to left but when the pin's tucked short right and I, I want to go for it then a draw is not going to be the shot so I want to be able to play the other shots and stuff as well so um, how would I encourage golfers I would encourage golfers to learn real basic shot shaping to the point where they don't necessarily learn club face angle first but learn to hit a push and learn to hit a pull mm. then they know what neutrals like so can you in terms of explaining that terminology, can you hit a ball that goes straight right with no curvature? And can you hit a ball that goes straight left with no curvature? Then can you show me that three times push to the right, then three times pull to the left, and now can you show me something in between? And once they've done that a few times and got the reps up of the extremes, maybe then they get a good understanding of what straight feels like. Mm. And what did they like the most? What felt comfortable? Did it feel easy to pull it or did it feel easy to push it? then you might gravitate towards a draw or pull based on what kind of feels more normal to you. I really like that. Um, so that, that's my, my thesis on it. And, and a few people that I teach golf to, their handicaps might be 22. They want a fix, like they want to lose a slice and they want to fix a hook, mm. but they never seem to articulate what they really want. So a lot of golf coaches, not, nothing against them, because I've done this before as well, that will try and fix the problem without actually really finding what they want. Yeah. Actually, maybe what if this golfer wants to get really versatile? What if they want to get really good? Yeah. Well, they're 22, they're not going to tell me they want to turn pro, but they might want to, because yeah. they're probably feeling embarrassed to say, I want to be a golf pro at 22 handicap. But what if they really want to? And what if they had the time to? Um, so wouldn't it be a shame not to prod them a little bit into learning some like really, really good skills, like shot shaping? Yeah. 
And actually what you can find is really high handicappers can learn shot shaping really quickly if you do it on a small scale of like pitch swing length or half swings. Can you push it? Can you pull it? Can you hit it in between? Yeah. And, and, and then all of a sudden that little window of opportunity comes and they can get as good as they want to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. I really like that. I really Great. like that a lot. Thanks. Oh, here we go. I'm going to number two then. <laughs> Block or random practice? Block or random practice. So I know a little bit about spacing of like sessions and stuff and what mm. have you. So I think in a, there was this test, which is interesting, about people learning the piano with no skill. Mm-hmm. No, you've never played the piano before. If you have, you just pressed keys and you didn't know what you were doing. Okay, so they got something like 100 people, 50 people that had coaching every day for 30 days and they had half an hour a day and then they the other 50 odd people had huge intensive sessions so that they had exactly the same amount of coaching but they were doing it on 10 hour stretches let's say and the results of that are nobody that did the the mass practice was better than any of the people that stretched it out so stretching it out and making it smaller amounts and really manageable seems to create this kind of neural pathway which kind of puts it into what I think is called your prefrontal cortex. I'm not an expert on the brain, but I do know that it does take a little bit of time and the little time to digest or download it yeah. into your head takes a little bit of time. So in terms of practice, I would say go there with a plan and what you're going to do, spread it out and do little a bit like what you're saying about your mobility. Yeah, yeah, yeah a bit often. like you're saying about your mobility. Just do it regularly. Make it part of, like, you brush your teeth, you do your mobility. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you can you can do that. Um, in terms of what you might be asking me there about how you might run that as a, as a session, go there with a plan. And don't be afraid to make your plan where I'm only going to smash driver as hard as I can today as long as it's a plan. Because you might learn something from it. You might quickly find out you don't learn anything from that. But going in there with a, a bit of an idea of um, I'm going to do 10 balls to warm up I'm going to do 20 balls where I drill technique over and over and over again and then I'm going to get 20 balls to targets and I'm not going to think about technique then you can come away with that thinking did I train it enough to be able to implement that into the golf course if the answer is no just keep training it and if the answer is yes keep training it as well yeah yeah that was it solid uh, I've got a couple of um, oh my god I said, oh I said no. I'm going to ask these questions so <laughs> Because I know the stories, but I okay. really would like to hear the stories. Sure. So I don't know if Sam's got any other questions, because this is probably going to get a little bit stupid now. Go for it. So Absolutely I'm going to go. So, <laughs> so, so the story I would like you to tell first, because we're, we're on to golf mm. coaching. You were talking about a little bit about coaching. We were talking a little bit about like um, uh, lessons and learning. Mm. So this is related to that, first of all. Uh, so the first one, can you please... T- I'm going to read out the cue to the question. Okay. And I'm going to see if you know what story I'm sure. talking about. Okay. So I've written it down in my in my notes as upside down glasses lesson. Ah, oh, yeah. So this was like literally in like the first week of my coaching. You guys would have loved this as mobility experts, but um, I was giving a lesson to a guy. He hit it nowhere. He goes, I just hit it nowhere, Dave. And I didn't knew nothing about golf coaching. Then. I just literally turned pro. And um, I was like, okay, cool. Well, so you just want a little bit more distance? He goes, yeah, that's good. Okay, so he's there and he's like, He's got his chin right in against his chest, like really against his chest. So if you're listening to this at home and you want to try this, stick your chin right in against your chest so you're kind of looking right down at your ground, almost at your feet, and then try and turn your hips and turn your shoulders. What you'll soon find is the shoulder will get in the way. And so you actually can't, your your mobility is really, really restricted. What that's doing to your upper vertebrae is probably not great either. So it's going to affect your mobility. So this guy, he had his chin right down. 
and um, couldn't move. So I, I said to him, oh, yeah, you've got really no mobility here at all. You're going to just put your chin up a little bit, sort your posture out. It's a bit rounded as well. So you've got nice straight spine and chin up. And, he's, and have a few practice swings. And he goes, oh, this feels great, Dave. Only I can't see the ball anymore. Cause, and I was like, oh, okay. So he's got a pair of bifocals. And he's got bifocals on. <laughs> so he's got bifocals on. And um, so he's looking through the bit which he would use for like the reading bit now instead of looking through the top. And actually, if we think about it now, it's probably the reason why he does what he does. Because of those glasses, he yeah. was probably looking through the top bit. It's probably a little bit easier to see the ball. So <laughs> this is literally my first week. So I grabbed his glasses and I flipped them up upside down on his face and he's looking at me like I'm on drugs. And um, <laughs> so I've put him upside down on his head. Do you remember like Dennis Taylor? And I, so he was, he's, he's ripping it. He's absolutely ripping it. He's gone from you know, like 120 to like 180. And um, I was like, wow, I love golf coaching. This is brilliant. <laughs> I can just imagine and walking the, around the club. Like, his face, he was just like, this is great, but I can't go and play golf like this. And I was like, oh, maybe there's an investment. I tried it, I tried him without the glasses as well, which he, he could move well, but he couldn't hit it very well. So I said, well, let's go get the glasses, you know. So that, that's brilliant. that golf oh. lesson cost him a fortune, probably, in glasses. But, you know, my final year's coaching exam, when I turn pro, so in year three, you have to do like a live lesson in front of some pretty scary assessors and other golf pros and stuff and what have you. And I had almost a mirror image of that, only the guy didn't have glasses. So the guy says, look, I'm pretty consistent. I just don't hit anywhere. I've got some golf days. I said, do you have time to practice? He said, nope. I said, so you, whatever I tell you today is gonna to be pretty simple. He was like, yep, okay, cool. Hit his chin down, couldn't turn, put his chin up. Don't go too crazy so that you look ridiculous. Just get your chin up a little bit and just focus on rotation, turn your back on the target. I didn't know much about mobility then, but he could instantly do it. Yeah. Did no assessment with him, but he could instantly do it. And just whacked it further and when somebody has that it actually affects their path as well generally so when they don't rotate very well in the backswing and they tend to rotate a lot in the downswing they'll just pull it and slice it actually by turning better he started going from like a slice to a draw yeah. and further yeah it's just like such a quick win my, my advice to many people is just get your posture really really good get mm. your setup amazing get your weight distribution good arms hanging down get the handle pointing in the right place give yourself the platform to be able to rotate yeah because if you get one of those elements wrong, distance from the ball, weight distribution, arms hanging down, handle in the wrong place, you can't move very well. And, and then you're not going to be a consistent golfer. So there is a lot of quick wins. There'll be an awful lot of golf pros that will talk about only trying to do long-term development and there's no quick fixes. I, I think there are quick fixes. And there are some, I've, I've given golf lessons to some people in the past where actually they've dined down that, down down that one lesson for a long time. And they've got to where they wanted to get to, and then they might reassess. They yeah. don't need a plan always straight away. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think something like that with setup. The reason why I like setup so so much is they've they've got the we don't have to go through the learning mm. process as much. Mm. Where when you're trying to change something that happens in the swing, you've got to mm. try and change the pathway, right? Yeah. Where something that's set up, if they put a little cue for that, you can almost quite mm. quickly get the setup better and mm -hmm. get them doing that yeah. instantly. And I think that's where the idea of no quick fixes come in is because mm -hmm. we can't change our natural movement mm -hmm. quickly, but we can change how we start that movement yeah. and then let it flow yeah. from there again. Yeah. Right? Almost like setting the start point in a different place. Same with exercise technique, right? Someone might squat in a certain way all the time and they're not necessarily going to change that, that pattern mm. that they like to squat in, but suddenly if we change their stance or we yep. put a bar on their back or we do something else, then suddenly they move better or they, or they move differently. And that differently might be a little bit more optimal for them mm. in that moment. And they don't want to think about it, right? Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that's a fun one. Interesting uh, how people sort of core DNA of their swing doesn't alter hugely. And like what feels like minor adjustments aren't minor adjustments. So like we've all been guilty of this, but if you ever look on Instagram and you look at people's before and afters, 
I look at them and think, actually, I'm not sure which one's better. And I, and I study people's <laughs> golf swings yeah, for a living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not until afterwards I realize, oh my God, the change that they've made, it's actually in my head, I don't really like it, but <laughs> you know, but like, yeah. it doesn't look as good, yeah. but they might hit it better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you can't even tell the difference. Yeah. Anyway, but that feeling in their body is yes. wildly it'll, different. It'll, yeah. Wildly yeah. different, yeah. 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 So true. I like that. My next one, I've just realised the cue is going to give away the punchline of the story. Okay. So I'm going to have to show it to you. Okay. Uh, and I just hope you remember the story again. <laughs> well, I hope so too. The anticipation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Do you know what? Right, so, the, <laughs> so this... I, I can't wait for Sam to hear this story because this is amazing. This is... This so is very near this this is really early in my golf coaching career and i'm like i've just really kind of thought what have you got yourself into <laughs> here um i was kind of pretty self-aware as a golf pro in as much that i think i'm not going to be on the tour i'll play a few pro events but coaching is going to be my thing so like early on i've got this glasses guy now we've got this guy big big pete his name is um <laughs> and um so he said Dave, i've got this slice and you've never seen a slice like it I said trust me pete i've seen slices yeah i've seen some big ass slices in my time <laughs> There's nothing that you can do that will shock me. He goes, it's pretty big. <laughs> okay, cool. So Big Pete is big. Big Pete is big. Yeah, so Big Pete's got legs like my legs, which are pretty skinny. But the top half of him is three of me. Okay? <laughs> so he's a little bit top heavy anyway. So Pete, I'll try and explain this because it's a podcast. But imagine whipping it right really inside in the backswing. Like so inside that the body turns done by the time your clubhead's got to your ankles. Okay? <laughs> So he's going nowhere but lifting. So he's gone really inside to really lifty. So much so his like hands are kind of in front of his head. And then he's turned back at it. So the club's like way out in front. So much so that he's hit it right off the heel, straight into his ankle, <laughs> straight into his ankle. Right, so his path is, his, his path has to be 45 degrees left. 45 degrees left. So he passed 45 degrees left, so the ball has flown into his ankle. It's took him off his feet, because Big Pete has probably got 110 mile an hour swing speed. And it's straight, it'd have never heard a yelp like it. Right? Up in the air, on the deck, Big Pete's at the ground. I'm like, oh, are you all right? And he was like, no. And I was like, is that what you do? <laughs> I mean, if he'd got the face back on it, it would have started a long way left. And it probably, if, the, if the face was open relative to that, then it would have had a big slice on it. So you could kind of, you could analyse the ball flight from what happened. Like that was, I didn't give him another lesson. After that. I didn't give him another lesson after that lesson. But yeah. Was, I want to see that before and after on Instagram. That would be a good before yeah. and after. I'll see if I can replicate the swing because it's, a, it's, an, in, it's an interesting one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a common, common fault, actually. Yeah. Now, if you want to link this slightly to mobility, it's people whipping the club really in first on, on the way back. So really, really, and then very, very lifty. Yeah. And think about what that trail elbow might look like. So for those of you at home, if you imagine your right forearm, it should perhaps be nearer vertical than it is horizontal. Yeah. So sometimes parallel to the spine is okay, depending on what your face angle looks like. But if your right forearm is kind of nearer vertical than horizontal, then that's generally a better position to be in. But when you kind of whip it in behind you, and there's nowhere else to go but up generally, unless you do a really small swing. So lifting the club up, in, up, and then across is quite a common fault. So I don't really care too much about what people's takeaways look like in that first kind of position when it gets to flat with the floor, but it can be influential in terms of getting you into a better position. Ultimately, the ball doesn't care where your takeaway is, but actually it can really influence like a general shape to your swing. So if you yeah. go really in and across, it could be difficult. Yeah. So. Amazing. I don't know. That story just gets me. I knew it was coming. I knew you'd, you'd find it funny. Yeah. So it yeah. 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 Hitting your own leg with a slice. 
yeah, it's pretty extreme. <laughs> if there was one uh, last bit of advice you would leave everyone with, uh, what would it be? From all of your experience mm. of seeing a lot of golf swings, seeing a lot of golfers, lot of, seeing a lot of people hit the golf point to their mm. own leg, what's the one bit yeah. of advice you would give, apart from wearing shin pads, yeah. uh, what would be the one bit of advice you would give people uh, after listening to this episode? Today? I think just start, you know, like start a journey, because A is exciting. If you, most people, if they're honest, they're kind of, kind of stay the same and don't really get as much, much better than they have been for a long time you know and they're kind of stuck on a handicap and they're, they're, they're searching down the wrong path to try and improve like lessons will help for sure but try and do lots of little things so like mobility a little bit do five minutes of mobility maybe look at your diet a little bit maybe um just practice one time a week more than you currently do maybe get to golf 20 minutes earlier and because you can handle that do you know what I mean like do lots of manageable things to make quite a big difference it's not always just a big swing overhaul it's like a real combination of lots of things yeah. also the so I'll give you an example I can play guitar but my guitaring is average okay so I wanted to buy a really expensive guitar quite a few years ago but I was too embarrassed to play it in the shop because everybody looks like they're from Led Zeppelin and I just don't look like I match yeah. the, right? well I did in that picture you showed me earlier, <laughs> but like yeah I was embarrassed going into the guitar shop. So he goes, oh, let's see you play a little bit. I said, no, don't worry about it. I'll just buy it. And I got the cash out and bought the guitar because I didn't want to play it in front of the, the guy. And I think some people are really bad at golf or at least they think they're really bad at golf. So therefore, they don't even go and have the golf lesson because they think, oh, I'll get a bit better first when I have the golf lesson or I'll just lose a little bit more weight before I go to the gym. And it never starts. Never just starts. make a decision to start and then you'll be, you'll be thankful for actually, you know, give yourself something exciting, something to work towards and then... Find out why it's important for you to do it as well. So, you know, if it's the weight loss thing, think about why you want to do it. Why do you want to get better at golf? Is it to impress your friends or is it for your own enjoyment? Um, come up with some, come up with a little plan, but try lots of different things. And um, when it comes to specifics like mobility and strength training, speak to guys like you and, and, and get, because you'll know from gym stuff, like the how you do the exercises is super super important in terms of the form of some of these things so just get a little bit of expert advice but my main advice is just to just start and don't put it off because you're going to be playing golf for so much longer and you're going to enjoy it way more when you've got kind of a better understanding of what you're doing i absolutely like love that and it mirrors so much that we've been talking about on these podcasts which is really interesting mm. um it's so refreshing for me to speak to a golf pro who does train mm. and knows about training most of my pros that are clients have never stepped foot in the gym before, yet the golf swing is such an athletic movement. Yeah. It's like you're just leaving so much on the table. Mm. And it's fantastic to hear that you're recommending all these things to other, other golfers and other clients out there. It's, it's, mm. it's really, yeah, really enjoyable. Well, I do, I do think also as well, just like just to touch on that, like the, the gym can be a little bit scary yes. for, for some people. But what you, what you might soon work out is... People are so wrapped up in what they're they're doing there. You're going to think, oh, everyone's looking at me. They're not looking at you. Exactly they, they've, the same, got, they've, they've got zero interest. Yeah, People are exactly so same. thinking, oh, God, he's mm. going to think I'm absolutely awful. Yeah. He's thinking exactly the same thing you are. He's not yeah. paying any attention to you. Yeah, yeah. and, and you'll, you'll thank yourself for doing it at some point because actually, yeah, you'll, you'll get into it and you'll enjoy it after a while. It becomes fun. It becomes part of your habit and it becomes a, part of the whole bigger picture of enjoyment. 100%. Dave, where can people find you if they're going to follow your journeys now? Um, yeah, Instagram, Instagram, Dave Bartlett, Golf Professional, on there. That's kind of where most of the stuff is. There are other things coming out soon, but I can't mention those because that's too big a secret. Oh, <laughs> big, too uh, big a secret. Also, your podcast as well. Give a little plug to your podcast. South Coast Pro Golf Show on Spotify. Yes. We'll stick all the details in the uh, notes of this podcast. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been yeah, great. Thanks, Sam. Really, really thanks, really Joe. Pleasure. You boys are heroes. Keep doing what you're doing. Speak to you soon, man.